Rain, sorry. That was the next tune that I wanted to play, but I'm going to leave it at that. Uh, so, uh, hi, everyone. It's Wednesday. It's March 23rd. I'm, I've been very, very busy, um, and I'm actually quite tired. Um, I, I can't explain why, uh, but I can tell you that I've been um, pondering on a lot of things lately. And uh, in regards to uh, what we're seeing develop and how deficient we are as a people uh, to tackle things as a, as a, as a unified front. And I see the, the issues that we have with division um, amongst the ranks that has been created over time through uh, the left, the media, the consumer brands, um, politicians. You know, people don't know who's good and who's bad. And I did tell you that that was going to be the problem in 2020 that you should not look to someone to tell you what is good and what is bad, but to trust your gut. And unfortunately, no one does that. Um, no one does that. <laughs> not a, Well, not, I, wouldn't, I shouldn't say no one, but I should say the majority of the people look to someone with a title or a tiara that has apparently proven themselves Um in some capacity that they find is evidence of being someone that they should listen to uh, other than listen to themselves and what sits correctly. So today I wanted to talk a little bit about revisit again, uh, chaos theory. Um, obviously look at a few of these, um, Kintanji, uh, you know, um, confirmation bursts. Uh, as well as understanding, you know, what it is that needs to be done. I, I, I think I've been very concise and very clear over the years. Uh, you know, you cannot expect something to happen. You know, a lot of people, um, let's bring this up for an example. And I heard this from a guru that I listened to every now and then. He said, uh, you know, a lot of people want, um, you know, us to legalize marijuana. So he's like, all right, let's legalize heroin and cocaine. That's fine. But the question is, if we legalize all these drugs and everyone has free access to it, uh, obviously, we don't want to get into a bus when someone's driving the bus and they're high and you're not going to get in an airplane. And it was really funny when he said it. You're not going to get into an airplane. Um with a pilot who's high because he's already flying without the plane. Right. And that's common sense. And the reason of that is because when we take any sort of enhancements, right. Um, it's to uh, lower our, our faculties. You know, a lot of people that have that struggle with alcohol and drug abuse, um, drink or, or do drugs in order to lower their faculties. In a sense, they're not thinking on, you know, on their game because they don't want to think. They don't want to face their life. They want to, you know, lower that vibration. They want to chill out, right? When you smoke pot, it's because you want to turn off. You want to turn off that brain. You want to just chill. You want to play a video game. You want to do mindless things and you don't want to think like escaping from life, 
right? Or making life more tolerable. But then people want to enhance their futures. They want to enhance their lives. Then why would you want to enhance that by lowering your faculties? And I'm not saying through drug use, but lowering your actions. You can't expect something to become magnificent without putting work into it. You can't expect something to be fixed without doing the work. You know, um, through my travels these past two days, I have to say I've met a lot of people that are listeners and, you know, it was so much fun meeting them. I, I think with one of them, I should be having breakfast tomorrow. Even though I left the area, I was thinking I'd drive out there just to see them. Um, cause I did have to leave the area cause I had something else to do. Um, but regardless, um, I meeting these people, they are, they, they do act it's tiniest things. And this is why I want us to revisit chaos theory, the tiniest things, but they do not sit idly. This is the problem that I have with all of these memers and, and, and conspiracy digital red string. You know, let's pretend, let's hypothetically pretend that all of these people are already hung, right? They're already a Gitmo. Then why the fuck is inflation going up, right? Then why are they rolling out vaccine passports, Right? Then why are they ignoring the fact that our elections were stolen, right? Why are they ignoring the fact that we have zero privacy anymore? Why are they ignoring the fact that now the states are are rolling out legislation that own your children? Why are they, you know, this is where it does not make, you know, it doesn't make sense and it doesn't align. And, you know, there's all these people, that, oh, well, look at me, I'm a patriot. And it's like, all right, so what have you done? Well, I talk, what have you done? I tell, what have you done? Like you as a person, what have you done? Well, I tell people the news. What news do you tell them? The stuff that's on TV already, they don't need you to regurgitate it. What is it that you're giving them when you're regurgitating? My perspective, right? Really? So what's your perspective? That all this is bullshit, that we should start screaming at the wall. Like, what do we do? Do we just sit there? Hmm? Should we just sit on our hands? Oh, let me guess. You're going to tell them they should phone their senators and congressmen because they give a shit, right? Because they really care, right? Because they're going to vote them out, right? You see how that works? And this is a reality check that I want to have um, have with you guys today because, you know, so many people don't seem to understand what goes on in the background in regards to journalism, right? And... Um, a sneak peek was done yesterday by one person that wants to be a journalist having Jack Maxey, who is a journalist, right? He's a great writer. He's done some fantastic work. The guy's smart, you know, and he likes to smoke weed. <laughs> Why not? But he's, he's, he is smart. He's a good writer. But the problem is, is that, you know, how do the lefties call it these days? He's ageist, but reverse ageist, right? He doesn't like young people. What people don't seem to understand is that people that are established 
in the old times, meaning pre-Trump and during Trump, right? Not the post-Trump. And post-Trump, you know, is what is widely accepted, not what I accept. I've never conceded that he's my president. So, but all those people fail to realize that now they're dinosaurs, meaning nobody gives a shit what you have to say anymore because you're just regurgitating things. The minute you start talking about Ukraine as if this is the real shit, you're done. When you start taking people down rabbit holes, you're done. When you start, no, no, no. Now it's for Jack Maxey. He had the Hunter Biden laptop. He's very good at what he does. And he was at his prime at some point. He's no longer. He's a dinosaur. People don't care about that stuff anymore. They're more refined. It's like I said, you can't bring back the 80s hair. I mean, you could try. You're going to fail because people are refined. They like the flat irons, right, to curl and then open the curls. No no, no perms. Like you don't see people out there in in glow what is it soul glow and fucking perms anymore because that shit was then and this is the now right more refined palette you know people used to think that microwave dinners were like yo this is so good because you know not a lot of mac and cheese going on i don't know maybe not everybody had meatloaf whatever now you won't catch them dead you know you can get spoiled like when you eat something so refined, you don't want to go back. When you eat organic or shit from the farm, what is it called? Farm to table. Yeah. Like, yeah, you'll indulge, indulge, you know, sometimes in a little bit of McDonald's and pizza, but you won't go back to that shit. You'll be like, yeah, let me just taste it just to remember the shit that I, it's like ho-hos, right? I used to love ho-hos as a kid and the, and the hostess um, cupcakes with the white swirl on it. Okay. Dude, they taste like plastic. Like, I was like, what was I thinking, right? Refine palate, right? We refine our palate, just like we refine our minds. So people today can't deal with McDonald's of yesterday because their minds are more refined. They're actually doing shit. They're active. They're paying attention. They don't need some loser to ooh and ah them because they don't care. They can go find it in, on their own. Why do I need you repeating CNN shit? Because I say it better. Why do I need you repeating Fox's shit? Because I say it better. And who told you you said it better? My numbers. Which ones? The real ones or the fake numbers? Or the ones that are like, hey, maybe this dinosaur is going to wake up. I'm waiting here trying to see if he comes there. She comes there, whatever it is, right? This is where it is. These people are yesterday's news. They don't seem to understand that we are currently in the Breitbart era. This is what Andy wanted for America. What we are undergoing today and what we are seeing today is exactly what Andy had envisioned. A time where the media was obsolete. It, where the people were actually bringing the news and making change. Not some pundit. But you. And, and this is you know, the whole undertone of everything that I see out there. You know, they're all battling for viewership and they don't have it. I was on a call earlier with people that are supposedly like with big listenership. And then I heard like names of people. I'm like, what the fuck? That person has like 10 people on their feed. Who, who told you they have millions of listeners? 
So I heard it again and I was like, and then the person comes out and starts talking and I'm like, the is this what you got? That's what you have? People that have non-actionable persons giving them ear and they're a handful. I mean, it would be a real stretch to say Ann Vander still has millions of followers or listeners. Doesn't matter. If you have followers, they don't do shit. You have to have family. That's the way it goes. So it was like, I was listening to this and I was just like, yeah, I'm just going to focus on the questions that I want to put out and to see how I can assist in the activities of the conversation rather than, um, you know, do whatever. Like I keep having Pete Santilli text me stuff. Like I give a shit what his opinion is. Like, when are people going to realize you're the gum on my shoe? I don't look at anybody who thinks that they're more important than the people. I don't look at anyone's opinion. I could give two shits what you have to say because you are doing absolutely nothing. So true heroes, you know, are never the ones you see in history. Oh, but but um, some are, you know. Usually they're martyred. That's true. Some are being, are taught to be villains. That's true. You know, Jesus, when they, when they annihilated him, he couldn't do all that free speech and stuff. Talk about love and God. That's blasphemy. Can't tell people to follow the rules of God and that his kingdom is bigger. No, don't you dare. Don't you dare go telling people that, you know, they can love each other and that shit in this life doesn't mean anything. He could give you whatever you want. This life, next life, all the life. <laughs> Can't talk about that. They let go of someone who committed murder to string him up because his tongue was a big problem. And see, this has happened throughout history. Galileo, Copernicus. Hey, one of them was like, yo, we're not the center of the, the, the universe, yeah? We're going around the sun. <gasps> Blasphemy, jail, done. Beethoven, can't hear. Remarkable. Says something, jail. Yeah, people don't know about that. Tesla, made so poor that they left him in a hole. He lived with pigeon shit everywhere. Worse than jail. See, this is how humankind works. They silence. Thank you very much, D. They silence the people. Thanks, Lotus. They silence the people. They silence them to the point where they can suffocate them. They will ridicule them. You guys have seen how they treated Nikola Tesla. It's all happened. It's all about the right person getting credit. Like I can sit here and, and run off a list until I'm blue in the face of articles and pieces people put out that were mine first. I mean, I had once Tracy Beans had the balls to say that Brian Cates wrote an article and I copied it. And I was like, does he time travel? Because my shit's like three months old. He just put that shit out. See, that's the thing. It's all about credit and how amazing they are. And the thing is, how do you know who a hero is? We should discuss that. But before we get into that, I wanted us to 
Part um, of this video was wait, sponsored wait, by LastPass. I wanted to show the the chaos theory, but instead, I'm going to put you to to listen to uh, a really amazing piece. And and the thing is, I, it speaks to me because I I was looking for something else and it just popped up on my feed, and it was playing. I was like, all right, I I'm going to play this for my listeners because I think it's important. Important because. They speak of things that we speak of. And this scientific theory will change how you see the world. It's about chaos theory, though. Declining tendency toward religious faith and a depleting trust and sense of individual significance. And systems of community, meaning, culture, economy, and state. Facilitated in large part by the increasing proximity to vast amounts of information. Many of us see ourselves as inconsequential specks. Destined to pass from dust to ashes with nothing to show for it. In some sense, this may be true. However, there is one unique source of profound scientific-based significance that we all possess, no matter who we are and what we do. Without the requirement of any grand illusions of achievement or faith in anything beyond, everyone, you, I, everyone we know, and everyone everyone knows, is born with this, woven into the very fabric of our relationship with reality. We wear it in every moment, and it cannot be taken off, not even by ourselves. It is the fact that each of us will change the course of everything forever. Let's consider for a moment that time travel were possible, and you went back in time some significant number of years. If, while you were there, you affected something, changed something, influenced something to go differently, stopped or started something that would have otherwise happened or not, and so on. Even with just seemingly tiny, insignificant alterations, it would be highly likely that you would dramatically change the course of events throughout history thereafter. The preceding future would become, potentially, a completely different one, or at the very least, a notably different one. Most of us accept and understand this. It is the concern, fear, or premise of a vast majority of films, books, shows, and so on that include time travel as a plot device. We recognize that affecting a small thing in the past can dramatically change the present, but yet we rarely think about how affecting a small thing in the present can dramatically change the future. Right now, without time travel as an option, reality still works the same way. In every present moment, your actions, interactions, influences, stopping and starting of things, and so on, in some likely sense, change the course of the future. Not every little thing we do always has a major impact on the course of events, but many likely do, and we do many things, both big and small, all the time. This process of how seemingly tiny, insignificant changes can lead to huge consequences is explained by what is known as the butterfly effect part of the branch of science and mathematics known as chaos theory. Chaos theory deals with systems known as chaotic systems that react with high sensitivity to tiny changes in initial conditions and through chaos compound and lead to the generation of completely different unpredictable outcomes in later states of the systems. Chaos is sort of a misleading term because this process is not truly chaotic in a random sense. Chaotic systems function according to the laws of motion, physics, and deterministic principles like everything else. But because of their immeasurably complex factors and high sensitivity to minute variability in the initial conditions, they are just nearly impossible to predict and appear chaotic. Examples of chaotic systems include the weather, aspects of the brain, population dynamics, ocean turbulence, 
traffic flow, aspects of the economy, and so on. And of course, reality as a whole is a chaotic system. It is the total sum chaos of all the chaotic systems combined. The most chaotic system a system can be. And of course, we are in this, part and parcel of it. As a simplified example, consider a scenario in which a person is living with a roommate. At around noon, this person becomes hungry and decides to have a meal. From the options available at their apartment, this person decides to make a tomato salad and they use the last communal tomatoes in their apartment. Later that night, their roommate plans to have someone whom they are dating over for dinner and intends to make a pasta dish with homemade tomato sauce. Before their date arrives, they realize they're now out of tomatoes and go to the grocery store to get more. When going to check out, by mere seconds, they get in line in front of another person. While checking out, the cashier mistakenly puts in the wrong code for the tomatoes and must clear out and re-input the code, the transaction totaling about three minutes. While on the drive home, the person who was behind them in line, now delayed by three minutes, just barely happens by a car accident that had occurred only a short moment earlier. This person who was in line happens to be an off-duty EMT, and after noticing one of the car accident victims on the ground unconscious, they pull over, get out, and provide the victim CPR, ultimately saving their life. This now rescued car accident victim, just recently having gotten married, goes on to live a normal life and have two children with their wife. Eventually, one of their two children goes on to become highly successful in the medical field and creates the formulation for a life-saving medication. As a result, thousands if not millions of lives are saved by this medication, allowing more lives and families to continue and be born. Further events would then continue on to and through these new individuals, affecting more events and leading to more people and things, building and compounding over time into a massive webbing of sprawling cause and effect, interacting with other chains of cause and effect along the way, all still interlinked with that original tomato salad. Of course, all of the events, even just the initial delay of the EMT, required many, many other places where slight changes occurred according to other causes. But ultimately, based on the butterfly effect, the effects of that one roommate deciding to eat a tomato salad would at least in some varying degree of causality continue on until the end of humanity, perhaps the world, and perhaps beyond. It is not uncommon to hear that one wants to change the world. It is the tagline to so many people's dreams and aspirations. It's a noble and virtuous enough ambition. Arguably, we should want to focus our efforts on intentionally doing as much good in the world as we can, trying to change it for the better. Because perhaps the more people who try, the odds increase that it might. But ultimately, if one small action, like eating the last tomatoes, can potentially change the entire course of events in the future, what makes us think we could ever truly know the impact of our other actions? On the timescale of history, good, bad, and neutral events can never be fully known or identified. But what we can know is that our existence, although a seemingly insignificant fluke in a blip of time, through the butterfly effect, will flap out and leave its trailing legacy with potentially increasing dramatic effect for possibly the rest of history and perhaps beyond. Chaos theory takes away the long-term predictability of our actions, but gifts us back a perpetual role in reality's operation. Your legacy, albeit indirect and anonymous, will continue. It is a flame whose fuse is anything in existence. This contemplation isn't a resolution or a placement to having a tangible, direct sense of purpose through the day-to-day -day responsibilities of a job, a career, a passion, a family, a friendship, and so on. 
but it is to potentially serve as a supplement for when, in those moments when some of the weight seems to suddenly drop out of these things, and they feel illusory, futile, or temporary, and we question if anything we do ultimately matters beyond us, if we mean anything to anything else. In these moments, we can remember that at least in some sense, we do so much, more than we would probably even like. In the final analysis, either no one matters at all or everyone matters completely. There is really no in-between. No matter who you are, because of you, the course of reality's future will play out in a unique way. We are not only each the agents of our own story, but we are also the agents of the story of humanity, this earth, and perhaps beyond, collaborating on the unique expression of art that is the future. So, and that was a bit of... Um you know, a kind of uh, eye-opener, I hope, for many of you. Because if you think that nobody matters, right, then there's no point in doing anything. You should just simply exist and do absolutely nothing. Uh, You should want to have children, but don't have sex because it doesn't matter. A kid will just come to you because, right, just because. That's the thing. You can't sit idly and expect things to manifest. And you can't think that you have to do huge and major things in order to cause an effect, right? Um, I'll tell you something personal, right? Um, I was traveling and someone last year for my birthday had sent me a, um, a gift card. It was like um, one of those easy gift cards, right? And I, my card was a MasterCard. And I remember being somewhere and I was totally embarrassed, right? I was like, wait, what, what do you mean I can't buy, you know, pay for my suitcase? Yeah, our MasterCard system's down. Do you have American Express or Visa? Because those run in another machine. And I'm like, um, yeah, okay. So I really need to get the suitcase on the plane, like, yeah, we understand, ma'am, but, you know, yours is a different type size and it's not a regular suitcase. You need. And I was thinking, shit, I don't, I don't have visa. You know, I have a visa, but it's like a Best Buy visa. Like, I never use that. That's what smart people do when they get like credit. They, they get it and then they just forget it, right? So I was like, darn, what am I going to do? And, oh. I was like, wait, because, you know, whenever I go to the airport, I always drop off my suitcases before I park if I take my car. So my car was outside and, and I go in there and I'm like, there it is. It's that spare one. And boom, that tiny thing that happened in 2021 assisted me a few weeks ago in 2022. Now, for that person, you know, the I think it was like 50 or $100. I, I never checked, right? I just had it in there. It, you know, <laughs> came full circle. It, it, it mattered later, right? It mattered later. So that is how um, that person made that effect on me, you know, when I grabbed it out of my little, you know, thing in the Tesla, that person, that, that thing they did, right. Almost a year ago had an effect for me to get that equipment on the plane. That's a big deal for, yeah. And, 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 and for me, I'm just pointing out how these things work. 
you may not see the effect of something you do now, but it will be later. Kind of like when I was working. I had no idea. the. Well, I, I did, but I didn't think it would come to my soil. I, you know, that's naive for me to say. And that's not 100% honest. Because always in the back of my mind, I was like, well, you know, control. But every little thing you do matters. And, you know, there are many times that we're delayed for things. Um, oh, planes, trains, stoplights. And we never think as to there's a reason. Um, today, when I was going from one place to another, by the way, I have to say that I am driving a rental and a car that I have never driven before. I just want to tell you guys this, right? Now, I've driven Porsches, Maseratis, you know, because I never, I didn't have a car. So I'm like platinum with Enterprise, right? So I can rent the Maserati for 300 bucks for, you know, five days, like legit. But yesterday, the, the day before yesterday, Enterprise gave me a BMW 7 Series, right? Guys, oh my gosh, like that car is like... Like, awesome. Okay. I just wanted to say <laughs> it's freaking awesome. And it is the nicest drive I've had in, like, except for my Tesla. You know, I don't like driving. I, my, I'm so pampered with the fact that my trust, my Tesla can drive for me, that I could check my messages. But um, I can tell you that car is hands down freaking incredible, right? Um, the steering wheel is so light when you think that it's going to be so heavy. I, and then, you know, they already have that new tech where in your windshield, as you're driving, you can see your directions and your speed and everything. But anyway, um, anyway, where I was going with this was we were getting from one place to another. That was a 40 minute drive literally took us an hour and 50 minutes. Right. And, um, I, I did stretch its legs a bit where I could. Thank you, Lunar. I did stretch its legs where I could, but I can tell you that I was extremely frustrated because I needed to jump on a call at six and it was Zoom and I didn't want to miss it. And, you know, going in between places. Um, but, you know, my daughter reminded me, mom, you know, if this is, you know, th maybe there's a reason, you know, there's a delay. Maybe this is why you took the wrong turn like three times. I'm notorious for like not following directions correctly on GPS. Um, but sometimes we have to remind ourselves that the hindrances that we come to as well have a purpose, kind of like in the story that that video said, where there was a three minute delay. So when that accident happened, that person was like right there at the right time, right? Little things that happen, either be mishaps or good things, they do have a way of presenting themselves. This is why it's really important that we understand that every single thing we do has an effect. If 2021 was anything, that was a tester. That was a tester and approvable moment to a majority of you and those that have been watching you, that everything you do can affect change. The fact that all of us went to the, the, the school boards, suddenly other people started to do it. The fact that we filed co-warrantos, people started to think about that more. The court started to be like, whoa, what's going on here, right? 
um, uh, federal lawsuits of mandamuses, your letters, your stickers, right? I mean, you've got people to the point where you have elected officials banning the ability of their citizens to talk to them, right? They just totally disregard you. Your email goes straight into spam. They throw your letters away because they don't really give a shit, right? They always never gave a shit. And this Kintaji, this Judge Brown shit that we're watching is BS. It's all so far out there. So that way, if they come through, they'll be like, see, I'm for the people. Did you see that? Like I called her out. We said no. And we were very civil about it, even though she's a monster and can't define the word woman. I mean, the law is about defining shit like the law and words and what they mean. But we'll get to that later. The point here that I'm trying to make is what you need to think about is, okay, I do understand that even the smallest thing makes change. If we did not push on the vaccines, we didn't push on the mask mandates, if we didn't write those letters to the attorney generals, if we didn't do our homework, if we didn't research, if, 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 then none of what has come would have occurred. That's number one. Number two that you have to think about is why are all these other people upset that we're doing it? And if anything, I, uh, I, uh, you know, the interview, and I haven't watched it all because I was just like, oh, first of all, why would Ann not reach out to me or Garrett, right? And what the hell is wrong with her stance? Like, excuse me, who are you again? Thirsty much? But anyway, uh, the, the thing is, uh, what shocked me was, is that I hope that people understood that what people were telling Garrett Ziegler was, you know, because they felt that they could control Garrett. You know, you were in the White House. You know how shit works, Right. Um, is maybe we shouldn't be putting out this news right now. You need to be quiet. They did that shit to Laura Loomer. Shut up, Laura. Shouldn't be talking about Ilhan Omar. But she married a brother. Yeah, conspiracy theory. Really? Came out to be true. I mean, I got all the documents for her from the state of North Dakota because she went to North Dakota State University, right? They already did that to her. They put her in a corner. People outed her. She was extra. She was exiled from the cyber community, right? They were able to shut her up because she was the first. And she didn't have a lot of people behind her. She does have me and will always have me because she spoke truth, regardless if you guys like her or not. And, you know, if you, she's young and she is exactly what our nation needs is a leader that's not afraid to go against the status quo, not going to take orders to, oh, yeah, um, I should just trust that in time it'll come out the way you guys want it to. You mean how it's more profitable for you, right? Because that's the problem. People don't like the news out because they want to make money off of it, right? That's how it works. They want to write a book or make a movie and say, oh, look, instead of telling you or educating you, we're going to write this book, we're going to put out this movie, and it's going to be like, whoa. And, and it's like, no, you're going to pocket a couple million dollars but it's not going to do anything. People need to be educated. People need to change in the way they see themselves in society and how every action they do. If you have no actions, if you do nothing because you're busy with life, well, life is going to consume you. And I know a lot of people say, well, what can I do? Well, you educate your neighbors. You're listening. You're learning, right? And you educate your neighbors, 
right? If you see your neighbor saying, oh, I'm, I, I, I think I can file a lawsuit, how can I help you with the filing fee? How can I help you draft it? Maybe I can pay for the printing of the paper. I'll serve the papers for you. This is a team effort. Let's go. The problem that I'm seeing is that there's a control concern here of who commands the message, both on what you perceive as good and what, and what you perceive as evil. Now, there was this video that was put out um, on Telegram that I want to share with you, and I'll play it here for you, that I really want you guys to um, see. I don't know how or when it was put out, but it spoke a lot of truths, and it said exactly what I've been saying for a while. Those people that have lulled you to sleep, that have told you to don't worry, we got it under control, that have told you to not do anything, not to do anything, we got this. Everybody's under control, girl. Like, sit down. Just listen to me and buy me a T-shirt or my book, and let me tell you how this works. Those people that have told people to do nothing, those people that are telling people to do nothing or, oh, I'm going to do it. Just rely on me, no one else, right? Those people are the worst type of evil. They are the worst type of evil there is. They're worse than evil. People that do absolutely nothing or condition others to do absolutely nothing are worse than the evil itself. Because without people doing nothing and without people telling people not to do nothing, evil would not survive because those that are actually doing something would make sure it doesn't exist. So I've been saying this and this video puts it so eloquently together. I have to share it with you. I um, simply adored her verbiage. Um, she speaks in a foreign language at first for like the first couple seconds. But then she rolls into English. Please take a listen. Right now in Halab, Syria, just an eight-hour drive from Tel Aviv, a genocide is taking place. You know what? Let me be more accurate. It is a holocaust. Yes, a holocaust. Maybe we don't want to hear about it or deal with it that in the 21st century, in the age of social media, in a world where information can fit into the palm of your hand, in a world where you can see and hear the victims and their horror stories in real time, in this world, we are standing doing nothing while children are being slaughtered every single hour. Don't ask me who is right and who is wrong. Who are the good guys and who are the bad guys because nobody knows. And frankly, it doesn't matter. What matters is that it's happening right now in front of our eyes. And nobody in France or in the UK or in Germany or in America is doing anything to stop it. Who is marching in the streets for the innocent men and women of Syria? Who is shouting for the children? No one. The UN is holding meetings of its security consuls and wiping away a tear when they see the image of a father holding the body of his little daughter. There is a word for this, hypocrisy. I'm an Arab. I'm a Muslim. I'm a citizen of the state of Israel. But I'm also a citizen of the world 
and I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed as a human being that we chose leaders who are incapable of being articulate in their condemnation and powerful in their actions. I'm ashamed that the Arab world is being taken hostage by terrorists and murderers and that we are not doing anything. I am ashamed that the peaceful majority of humanity is irrelevant once again. Do we need a reminder? Armenia, Bosnia, Darfur, Rwanda, World War II. No, we don't. Albert Einstein said, the world won't be destroyed by those who do evil, but rather by those who watch them without doing nothing. Huh. So eloquently put, right? She did an amazing job stating the obvious. That those people that do absolutely nothing are no better. Think of all these politicians that tell you all these lovely things. What have they done? Even President Trump brought that up. 45 years in office, what has Biden done? Absolutely nothing. So I'll tell you what. Before we watch the next video on chaos theory, so you understand where I'm going with this. Class action suits are very effective. Now, this morning, I don't know if you guys can tell I'm a little bit red. Um, this morning, I took Phoebe out to the beach um, after breakfast. And we just lay there. It was so windy. It was horrible. It's like bad weather again, like thunderstorms tonight and rain tomorrow. It's going to be crap. So we sat out on the beach on this beach chair. And um, it was just it was amazing for me just smelling the salt and listening to the waves. I actually took a nap at some point and I've got a ton of sand in this phone here. I have like sand. So now it doesn't like go all the way straight. <laughs> got sand everywhere. It was like, I thought at one point that I was like back in the middle East where they had those sandstorms. Okay. Um, so it was really bad, but I slept and I slept thinking I took this nap and I was thinking, Okay, so now all of us are a bit frustrated, but we've done change. But we need something with a bigger punch. Not me, we. For me, I'm dealing with Dominion. Hmm. I'm dealing with, you know, my Secretary of State run. That's just not over. Hmm. That's the second time the Supreme Court broke the law. Hmm. Just gathering some, you know, some points and some things, right? And then we've got my documentary coming. Mm. So what can the people do? What can we do as a collective? And you know, this goes back to a conversation that I had with one of my attorneys who was telling me how important it is to fight some certain battle that many people have fought before individually. Some have won. Well, all of them that won ended up dead in the end. And you're just like, mm, why? But I think we can actually fix this. So this idea came to me. And as it came to me, I kind of like left in like a temporary blissful slumber thinking about it. Like, well, well that's impressive. Now I just got to figure out what court we need to take it to and how. Um, the arguments are there, you know, like I said, we're still on, we'll st we're still free on paper. So what we have to do is kind of play within the, the goalposts that they've set, 
We can't go outside the goalposts. We can't be like, well, you know, you remember this old rule from back then, which is outside the goalpost, that you can't drag that shit back in. Because then you're just nuts and you're not playing. But what you do is you beat evil with their rules. Using good, of course. So that happens. So we have, I have finally solved an issue that I've been sitting on. Whoa, when did he tell me this? I want to say it was like August of 2021. And maybe it was the smell of the salts. <laughs> maybe, maybe having the salt there, you know, in the sand coming at my face so that I have like my, my dress over my face so that I don't get sand in my mouth. I still have some in there. I can, I can feel it on my teeth. Um, <laughs> but I think that we found an avenue for something that's effective. Class action is very effective, very effective. And we haven't had any successful one. I know you saw a lot of people where they back in the, those digital string people, you know, the ones that think, um, you know, cues like a person or maybe even just President Trump, right? You know, those people who were like, look, we're filing a lawsuit against YouTube. Has anyone asked them, how's that going? Right? How's that going? They could have won that by simply saying that they stole their money because I'm pretty sure none of them got paid like me. But they went another avenue, class action. It was super weird. And some lawyer took whatever money they raised and... I don't know what happened. I don't know. I can't say for a fact, but I don't know. Yeah, but I'm the grifter. Whatever. All right. So moving along, moving along. I just wanted to say, um, because all of these things are coming forward now, and I'm seeing very big players now, our team has gotten really, really small, right? There's a lot of thirsty people trying to get in. And then people you thought were big on the totem pole. I'm starting to see they're not. I'm starting to see that, oh, shoot. I thought that person was in the know. They're not in the know. I'm starting to see that now. Because um, I'm seeing actions and um, responses that don't make sense. It's almost as if they're the ones that were doing nothing. And suddenly they want to do something, but they're not in the cool group anymore. Does that make sense? I hope that helps. Um, trying to see how I'm going to say this. Um, it disappointed me, I have to say. Um, you know, I think sometimes it's better not knowing things. Um, because you want to have faith, right? That there's a lot more um, being done. Um being accomplished. You know what that, that reminds me of? Heroes. 
How do we define heroism? I mean, obviously, we're not going to ask the new nominee for SCOTUS, right? But a lot of people talk about our heroes in uniform, and that's an easy way to do it, to create some kind of idea of uniformity, right, um, that can echo through time. But for some reason, people have equated heroes with, like, holiness, right? Like someone who's a hero is like, he's like, you know, walks on water and is like a saint, right? A saint. And it's like, that's totally, I I don't understand. You know, nobody else in this reality construct can say that they have love more than the creator, right? Because he even laid down his own son or himself for his friends, right? And his family and his loved ones and all mankind. And as we were taught by our creator in all denominations of religion, right? It's to love your neighbor. And what we see is that we've equated that with um, a hero being one who lays down their life for their neighbors. So if to be a hero, you have to sacrifice yourself and then you're holy, right? You're just like suddenly, I'm like the best. Then do we consider all heroes saints? I mean, Robert E. Lee had sleeves, but he was a hero. Was he walking on water? Did he not beat a slave in his time? No, he did. See, that's the problem with definitions. We change definitions, right? And we alter definitions to fit what we want. There's a lot of people that during wartime can seem like heroes. They could be amazing. They can tear the enemy apart and bring a victory home. And save a whole nation. But in a time of peace, they could be beating the shit out of their wife, raping their kids, right? Skinning cats for fun. But they can be considered heroes in that heroic moment. But is it enough because this dude like brought the war home that they're supposed to be hero in their fullest sense. Like Dan Crenshaw. Look, I lost my eye. I'm a hero. Vote for me. And then he goes, fucking America. Told you about Dan, didn't I? Long, long time ago when everyone was in on that train. I'm pretty sure when he did that advertisement for his new campaign, that kind of was so cringe. You were like, fuck that, right? Totally said that. I'm saying that. I hope you guys did (laughs) because it was so transparent. But he was a hero in the sense that he fought and he lost his eye, right, for his country. But you don't know what kind of person he is. Well, now you do because he's showing you his true colors. So now what? Do we consider that all military are not heroes, all police are not heroes? And what does a hero mean? Here's what it means, I would say, right? Someone who is... You know what? Consistency. Consistency is freaking key. 
Okay. Can't be a hero there and be a loser here. Right. Um, consistency, I guess. Someone that fights for their neighbor every day, not just some of the days, right? That like every day they would fight for that. I mean, maybe you don't want to drag your ass out of bed, so you're not going to go to war. But if the war came to you while you were dragging your ass that day because you're tired, you would indeed lay your life down for your neighbor. But a real hero knows that every single action they take for their neighbor, for their sister, for their brother, for their country, their city, their nation, or their species, is someone that knows that it's not possible without God's help. People that are able to bow their heads and praise him glory for every achievement. Not like the Oscars. We're like, I thank God and my mom and my... Not that kind, right? Like we're talking genuine shit, okay? We're not talking Oscar speech, right? And I see that every day in your groups. I'm going to tell you that straight. I see it every day and I'm like getting all emotional just thinking about it. I see it every day when I see you guys fighting for uh, each other. But another thing that heroes know, aside from, hey, nothing would happen without God or with prayer, is, um, see, you guys got me like cutting onions and stuff, is that they can admit to themselves, you know, I'm not always a hero. I know all of you can say that, right? Because it's a cooperation. See, there are many times that people that are on the front lines at a war that decide, oh my gosh, I don't want to do this anymore. This is scary. Where are all my generals? They're fucking gone. I don't want to do this shit anymore. I'm by myself. Or when they see that lieutenants they have or majors or people in their army suddenly start to draw their weapons at them and you're just like, what's the point? I'm going to just fall on my knees. Like you're looking around and you're like, why are my own people fighting me? And then, you know, you're just kind of like asking. I know all of you ask those questions in your groups amongst each other. And it's really hard. It's really hard. I see it. I, I look. I don't. I don't get involved because then it's not organic and it's not yours. I, I'll get involved when some really ratchet stuff happens. But I know a lot of people get disheartened. Why does this people need? Why does this person need to be a leader? Why can't I? Why can't we all just get along? You know that the the, the infamous saying. These heroes know they're not always heroic. And that's the thing, that to remain true to what it is, is to focus on what it means to be a hero. Are they all martyrs? 
in one sense, you know, is it true? Not always. It's not necessary to die in faith. We don't all need to have our heads chopped off in the name of God to be truly heroic. I think heaven is full of people that we deem as saints here. We deem them as saints here. Again, repeat. We deem them as saints who died in old age, right? Who were like doing the thing. And yet most of these people that were martyrs um, weren't martyrs because they were like, yeah, well, no, I'm not bending the knee to Allah. I believe in God. And it's off with your head. You know, that shit that's happening today in Burkina Faso, no one's doing anything about it. UN, US, nobody. They're just like, whatever, that stuff. Those are what you would call martyrs because they're witnesses in testimony. But the thing is, to be an actual martyr or a hero as a martyr is to practice what you preach. Putting your principles into practice. And therefore, then you become a witness or a martyr. We don't have to die or get our head chopped off to get the point across. We just have to apply the practices that we preach. And, you know, all of us struggle all the time. Shit. I know I do. We all do. We all do. There was this um, article written by someone called Perrine Lachenal, uh, L-A-C-H-E-N-A-L. Um, I read it because it was really weird because it had to do about post-revolutionary Tunisia. And um, it was titled Fake Martyrs and True Heroes. And in that, they treated the category martyr as socially constructed and contested um, it along gender and political guidelines, right? Because it was talking about the hierarchies, masculinities after, you know, post-revolutionary Tunisia. And it's quite eye-opening if you see it from that perspective. I, I, it was published in, um, <laughs> I'm sorry, in the... <laughs> Sociology, Gender Studies, and Cultural Studies. And this was under the thing of men and masculinities. I know it sounds super fruity. I do read this stuff sometimes. Thank you, Cedar. Thank you. Um, who did I miss, Brian? Because I'm, I'm streaming from another thing, so I just come back to Rumble sometimes. But anyway, this fruity article actually portrayed how even how we view heroes is a social construct, too. Uh, you know, they must be, you know, I don't know, maybe tall and handsome. Maybe they should be able to carry off, you know, the hat with the little thing. When I hear people say, oh, I'm a green brain, it's like, so? Does that automatically give you, like, a pass or something? Are you supposedly, like, what are you telling me? We have created in our social constructs these automatic responses to to trigger phrases of, who someone is, right? I'm a priest. You used to trigger you like, whoa, you got to be holy. And it's like, yo, how many kids you got in your basement, right? You know, things change, times change. And the only way to free this and to be able to see better is by getting out of those constructs 
And, you know, maybe taking the advice of what my daddy said. My daddy taught me a few things when I was young. But the one thing he said is never, ever, 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 ever take anybody's advice about anybody. When you meet someone, you take them at 100%. Your interactions will either keep them at that 100% or they will lower in your eyes as trustworthy or someone you want to deal with, right? And he said that fluctuates because something that may insult you might not be insulting to them. And they go from 100 to like, fuck you, to then the next day you're like, all right, you're at 15%. Let's see if you can keep this up, right? This is, this is how we need to start thinking, right? We need to start thinking that, okay, just because someone said, you know, I'm a Green Beret, because uh, I hear that. It's like next time I meet someone, I'm going to be like, let me guess, you're a Green Beret. Um, but <laughs> sorry. no offense to my Green Beret. I'm just saying, like, it's like, it's like a personal joke to me that, you know, now I'm sharing with other people. I kid you not. The next time someone says that, I'll be like, wait, don't tell me. Let me guess. Um, but these titles and tiaras go across all boards, right? Well, I, I, I'm the president of that bank. Okay. I'm the wife of a pastor. Okay. I'm a dairy maid. Okay. You know, I'm a quadriplegic veteran. Okay. You know, you got to give more prouny points because they're hurt, but you don't know. Like I said, you can't judge based on the reality construct because someone that, according to society, is amazing, turns out to be not so amazing. So we need to break free from these reality constructs and realize that every single thought we have, every single um, thing we do and partake into plays into the greater picture as you've witnessed yourself. I mean, we've already been taken over as a nation. No one's going to sit here and admit that. The nail on the coffin was the theft of the elections and people sitting back. They had conferences in 2021 and in 2022 to, to discuss with leading officials in your states, how to squash violence, notions of election fraud. They want to silence history. They want to eradicate history. They want to be known as heroes. And you know what? The right is playing right along with it because they need a timeline. No, we got to do it in the right time. Fuck your strategy. See, while they know that you're strategizing, as you're strategizing, you're letting shit get even more fucked up. I don't care how ironclad you think your plan is. There's only a few moves on that chessboard. Unfortunately, humans are known to fuck shit up all the time last minute, right? They crucified the guy. Free speech not allowed. And then they tried to silence it. And then they saw how powerful it was. Like, oh my gosh, he rised up so many people. They worked together so many people. Rather than kill him, we'll just hijack it and make him a martyr, make him the center of everything. See how that works? History repeats itself. 
right in front of your eyes and you're missing the mark. Like I've said this before, and no offense to my Roman Catholic peeps, right? But that's exactly what happened. See, they wanted to erase any trace of him. They told people, you do not speak of things he did. Credit someone else for it. Quick. How dare they say that he rose back or came back or whatever? Silence that. And then they realized they lost that fight. It was like fire. He was a match that lit a fire where people were like, oh, my gosh, God, the creator. It's true. True, because he conducted miracles. He did things that defied science in front of their eyes. So because they couldn't shut it up, they embraced it. And then they took his words and his students' words and changed them. Therefore, they can control. And they didn't change him too much, very little. Omitted a lot of shit, very little. Because the stupider you keep society... And the more control you have over them, that gives you more control. And through other aspects, you control them. The better you control your slaves. Whose slaves? That's another story. I want you guys to see how chaos theory works so you can understand it. Because you know, funny enough, you know, so weird. Who was it? Edmund Burks. Edmund Burks had said that justice only exists because human beings make the effort to stand against injustice. Think about that for a second while you watch this clip. I like this clip. Let me um, get this going for you. I just want you to think about it for a second, what I just said. Right? That... Justice exists only because human beings make the effort to stand against the injustice. And standing doesn't mean sharing funny memes, okay? It means fucking doing something. Now let's watch this. Here we go. My effect is the idea that tiny causes, like a flap of a butterfly's wings in Brazil, can have huge effects, like setting off a tornado in Texas. Now, that idea comes straight from the title of a scientific paper published nearly 50 years ago. And perhaps more than any other recent scientific concept, it has captured the public imagination. I mean, on IMDb, there is not one, but 61 different movies, TV episodes, and short films with butterfly effect in the title. Not to mention prominent references in movies like Jurassic Park, or in songs, books, and memes. Oh, the memes. In pop culture, the butterfly effect has come to mean that even tiny, seemingly insignificant choices you make can have huge consequences later on in your life. And I think the reason people are so fascinated by the butterfly effect is because it gets at a fundamental question, which is, how well can we predict the future? Now, the goal of this video is to answer that question by examining the science behind the butterfly effect. So if you go back to the late 1600s, after Isaac Newton had come up with his laws of motion and universal gravitation, everything seemed predictable. I mean, we could explain the motions of all the planets and moons. We could predict eclipses and the appearances of comets with pinpoint accuracy centuries in advance. 
French physicist Pierre-Simon Laplace summed it up in a famous thought experiment. He imagined a super-intelligent being, now called Laplace's demon, that knew everything about the current state of the universe, the positions and momenta of all the particles and how they interact. If this intellect were vast enough to submit the data to analysis, he concluded, then the future, just like the past, would be present before its eyes. This is total determinism, the view that the future is already fixed, we just have to wait for it to manifest itself. I think if you've studied a bit of physics, this is the natural viewpoint to come away with. I mean, sure, there's Heisenberg's uncertainty principle from quantum mechanics, but that's on the scale of atoms, pretty insignificant on the scale of people. Virtually all the problems I studied were ones that could be solved analytically, like the motion of planets or falling objects or pendulums. And speaking of pendulums, I want to look at a case of a simple pendulum here to introduce an important representation of dynamical systems, which is phase space. So some people may be familiar with position time or velocity time graphs, but what if we wanted to make a 2D plot that represents every possible state of the pendulum, every possible thing it could do in one graph? Well, on the x-axis, we can plot the angle of the pendulum, and on the y-axis, its velocity. And this is what's called phase space. If the pendulum has friction, it will eventually slow down and stop. And this is shown in phase space by the inward spiral. The pendulum swings slower and less far each time. And it doesn't really matter what the initial conditions are. We know that the final state will be the pendulum at rest hanging straight down. And from the graph, it looks like the system is attracted to the origin, that one fixed point. So this is called a fixed point attractor. Now, if the pendulum doesn't lose energy, well, it swings back and forth the same way each time. And in phase space, we get a loop. The pendulum is going fastest at the bottom, but the swing is in opposite directions as it goes back and forth. The closed loop tells us the motion is periodic and predictable. Anytime you see an image like this in phase space, you know that the system regularly repeats. We can swing the pendulum with different amplitudes, but the picture in phase space is very similar, just a different sized loop. Now, an important thing to note is that the curves never cross in phase space, and that's because each point uniquely identifies the complete state of the system, and that state has only one future. So once you've defined the initial state, the entire future is determined. Now, the pendulum can be well understood using Newtonian physics, but Newton himself was aware of problems that did not submit to his equations so easily, particularly the three-body problem. So calculating the motion of the Earth around the sun was simple enough with just those two bodies. But add in one more, say the moon, and it became virtually impossible. Newton told his friend Haley that the theory of the motions of the moon made his head ache and kept him awake so often that he would think of it no more. The problem, as would become clear to Henry Poincaré 200 years later, was that there was no simple solution to the three-body problem. Poincaré had glimpsed what later became known as chaos. Chaos really came into focus in the 1960s when meteorologist Ed Lorenz tried to make a basic computer simulation of the Earth's atmosphere. He had 12 equations and 12 variables, things like temperature, pressure, humidity, and so on. And the computer would print out each time step as a row of 12 numbers, so you could watch how they evolved over time. Now, the breakthrough came when Lorenz wanted to redo a run, but as a shortcut, he entered the numbers from halfway through a previous printout, and then he set the computer calculating. He went off to get some coffee, and when he came back and saw the results, Lorenz was stunned. 
the new run followed the old one for a short while, but then it diverged. And pretty soon it was describing a totally different state of the atmosphere. I mean, totally different weather. Lorenz's first thought, of course, was that the computer had broken. Maybe a vacuum tube had blown, but none had. The real reason for the difference came down to the fact the printer rounded to three decimal places, whereas the computer calculated with six. So when he entered those initial conditions, the difference of less than one part in a thousand created totally different weather just a short time into the future. Now Lorenz tried simplifying his equations and then simplifying them some more down to just three equations and three variables, which represented a toy model of convection, essentially a 2D slice of the atmosphere heated at the bottom and cooled at the top. But again, he got the same type of behavior. If he changed the numbers just a tiny bit, the results diverged dramatically. Lorenzo's system displayed what's become known as sensitive dependence on initial conditions, which is the hallmark of chaos. Now, since Lorenz was working with three variables, we can plot the phase space of his system in three dimensions. We can pick any point as our initial state and watch how it evolves. Does our point move toward a fixed attractor? or a repeating loop? It doesn't seem to. In truth, our system will never revisit the same exact state again. Here, I actually started with three closely spaced initial states, and they've been evolving together so far, but now they're starting to diverge. From being arbitrarily close together, they end up on totally different trajectories. This is sensitive dependence on initial conditions in action. Now, I should point out that there is nothing random at all about this system of equations. It's completely deterministic, just like the pendulum. So if you could input exactly the same initial conditions, you would get exactly the same result. The problem is, unlike the pendulum, this system is chaotic. So any difference in initial conditions, no matter how tiny, will be amplified to a totally different final state. It seems like a paradox, but this system is both deterministic and unpredictable. Because in practice, you could never know the initial conditions with perfect accuracy, and I'm talking infinite decimal places. But the result suggests why even today with huge supercomputers, it's so hard to forecast the weather more than a week in advance. In fact, studies have shown that by the eighth day of a long-range forecast, the prediction is less accurate than if you just took the historical average conditions for that day. And knowing about chaos, meteorologists no longer make just a single forecast. Instead, they make ensemble forecasts, varying initial conditions and model parameters to create a set of predictions. Now, far from being the exception to the rule, chaotic systems have been turning up everywhere. The double pendulum, just two simple pendulums connected together, is chaotic. Here, two double pendulums have been released simultaneously with almost the same initial conditions. But no matter how hard you try, you could never release a double pendulum and make it behave the same way twice. Its motion will forever be unpredictable. You might think that chaos always requires a lot of energy or irregular motions, but this system of five fidget spinners with repelling magnets in each of their arms is chaotic too. At first glance, the system seems to repeat regularly, but if you watch more closely, you'll notice some strange motions. A spinner suddenly flips the other way. Even our solar system is not predictable. A study simulating our solar system for 100 million years into the future found its behavior as a whole to be chaotic, with a characteristic time of about 4 million years. 
That means within, say, 10 or 15 million years, some planets or moons may have collided or been flung out of the solar system entirely. The very system we think of as the model of order is unpredictable on even modest timescales. So how well can we predict the future? Not very well at all, at least when it comes to chaotic systems. The further into the future you try to predict, the harder it becomes. And past a certain point, predictions are no better than guesses. The same is true when looking into the past of chaotic systems and trying to identify initial causes. I think of it kind of like a fog that sets in the further we try to look into the future or into the past. Chaos puts fundamental limits on what we can know about the future of systems and what we can say about their past. But there is a silver lining. Let's look again at the phase space of Lorenz's equations. If we start with a whole bunch of different initial conditions and watch them evolve, initially the motion is messy. But soon all the points have moved towards or onto an object. The object, coincidentally, looks a bit like a butterfly. It is the attractor. For a large range of initial conditions, the system evolves into a state on this attractor. Now remember, all the paths traced out here never cross, and they never connect to form a loop. If they did, then they would continue on that loop forever, and the behavior would be periodic and predictable. So each path here is actually an infinite curve in a finite space. But how is that possible? fractals, but that's a story for another video. This particular attractor is called the Lorenz attractor, probably the most famous example of a chaotic attractor, though many others have been found for other systems of equations. Now, if people have heard anything about the butterfly effect, it's usually about how tiny causes make the future unpredictable. But the science behind the butterfly effect also reveals a deep and beautiful structure underlying the dynamics, one that can provide useful insights into the behavior of a system. So you can't predict how any individual state will evolve, but you can say how a collection of states evolves. And at least in the case of Lorenz's equations, they take the shape of a butterfly. Hey, this. So that was interesting. We brought a little bit of physics in it in real science. Um, and the reason is, is because little things make changes. But what if it is that your past that you've been told has been changed into what you know, therefore you cannot predict correctly. Like, for example, I told you Edmund Burke said, oh, you know, evil perpetuates when good people do nothing. When in fact, that was wrong. He wasn't the one that had made that comment, right? Um, in fact, he wasn't the guy who came up with that. He wasn't the one that said that. It was drawn, that phrase was drawn from a guy, a philosopher. Hence why I kind of like Patrick Byrne and having conversations. I know you guys don't, but I don't, I don't mind. You don't have to like my friends. No one said you do. John Stuart Mill had given an inaugural address at the University of St. Andrews. And here's what he said. Let not anyone pacify his conscience by the delusion that he can do no harm if he takes no part and forms no opinion. Bad men need nothing more to compass their ends than that good men should look on and do nothing. He is not a good man who, without protest, allows wrong to be committed in his name and with the means which he helps to supply because he will not trouble himself 
to use his mind on the subject. We have been trained to believe that we are in a place of lack, that we are in a place of no power. But I'll tell you who had, who was the OG on stating it. If you actually read the Bible, you know that Proverbs 24 simply says, if you do nothing in difficult time, your strength is limited. Rescue those being taken off death and save those stumbling towards slaughter. If you say, but we did not know about this, won't he who weighs heart consider it? Won't he who protects your life know? Won't he repay a person according to his work? See, if you do nothing, your strength is limited. Almost like saying, well, God, save me. I want a mountain. And then he's like, here's a shovel. Get going. Probably give you the shovel. We all have to take participation. We all have to just keep going. Now, um, I had a discussion with someone last night, um, which was quite fascinating. And um, they brought to my attention, this is when I found out that some people are not in the know. And I was just kind of, for me, it kind of set me back a little bit. But the person asked, um, you know, I, 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 I asked and answered. This is what they said to me. I've watched, Tori, how your audience responds and how they act. And I can't seem to fathom how they are able to do all these things. And you have heard Patrick Byrne himself tell you what Tori has created, and I think Lynn Wood posted it, what Tori has created he has never seen before. People can spend millions and millions of dollars. Oh boy, they've actually tried to replicate what you've created. They hate you for it because you command so much control. This is what was said to me and you do not take advantage of it. You don't deploy them off to do things. You don't send them off to, to, to troop forward and get down there and let's get bodies on the floor and hold signs. And they will not listen to any others. They compare your words to theirs. And they hate you. And they don't seem to understand it. And I, and I realized something because I saw some messages by those who are in the know between influencers that speak of me. She's the cult because these people, they, they fund her, you know, good thing. Her subscribe stars all low. She completes always bitches about it. But did you see her rumble numbers? Like they're donating shit to her. I thought getting her off of Twitch was enough. Like this bitch won't shut up and the people will just go to wherever she goes it's a cult. It has to be a cult. And then, you know, when I was shown these messages, I was thinking to myself, man, you know, I really feel bad for these people. I, I do. I don't think they get it. I think, you know, people reward me and they want me to be able to travel. They want me to be able to pay my rent, to be able to, you know, eat, <laughs> to do things. They want me to. Some of them even want me to have fancy things. But the thing is, you should be asking yourself, why don't your listeners want 
that for you? Why do you have to beg them? Why do you have to sell them VPNs and coins and fucking t-shirts? Why are you begging people? Because you don't have strength. It goes back to the proverbs. I think I say it all the time that I find it in faith. But if you do nothing, your strength is limited. And I guess the strength of someone is measured in their resilience. And we, the people, have resilience. We will not sit idly. We do not think it's okay that all of these harms are coming to people. We do not think that, oh, well, that's all, folks. We tried it. Done. We're out. You know. You don't take no for an answer. You find another way. And when speaking with this person and showing me those messages, um, I realized that, you know, I got my panties in a twist about some things that I shouldn't have because they already knew. And my article about Truth Social really went up there. I mean, so up there that the person that had the handle at Tori on Truth Social took my military photo out of there and the slanderous information, but they already did it. So they're still getting sued. (laughs) So weird. But anyway, the thing is, it resonated that they're like, how are you the only person that has had the balls to say it? Right. And to bring it up. And again, it goes by people standing by and doing nothing right? Standing by and doing nothing. Because how many of them had seen it that are, you know, supposedly on the good team or influencers, right? How many of them saw that this was just bullshit from like, you know, the peak of when everyone was high of, oh, look, I have a quarter million followers. I'm just going to tweet oohs and ahs all day and everyone's going to love me. I'm going to make memes because memes and complaining gets everything done. Stop. It's like your has-been, right? People have refined palates now. And that's what they don't like. They don't like that someone doesn't need seven seconds. They don't like that someone, you know, reads now, right? (laughs) And they pay attention. And it bothers them because they have been conditioned to seek control. So while in one sense, showing me those messages showed me that the people that I actually do care about, um, uh, um, validated me in a way to, you know, Hey, don't, don't think much of it. But on the other hand, it made me feel really sad because it was people that, I'm just like, instead of hating, why don't you try to emulate? Why don't you turn your leaf over and and try to be good or try to help people, right? Um, Rather than spew hate or, you know, passive things. (sighs) You know, they still laugh, you know. They were laughing about the Tesla car. And I was like, for me, it makes me feel really bad. You know, the way they keep throwing it in my face. And it's like, dude, that's like, I've never had an awesome birthday. Like this birthday, I spent it working. Okay. 
spend it working so long and I didn't get out of my chair. Like I maybe did 300 steps that day that, you know, I went home to my daughters who had cooked dinner and it was cold, right. To, to blow out my candles at like, you know, 11 o'clock at night. Cause I was working, you know, um, I know a couple people that have met my, my children and my family. They're like, look, it's always until her phone steals her away or, you know, someone comes by and yeah, they get it, but they don't too, right? They're still my children and they still want attention, um, but they still look after me, right? They always like, hey, mom, did you, did you take a shower yet? You said you were taking a shower like <laughs> a few hours ago. Did you actually do it? Did you go shopping? You know, I'm just saying, um, but I can say that I've realized what our problem is as a society. We're still living in the construct of these titles and tiaras and, and, and this idea of what we think a hero is, right? We're watching people on TV. Um, pretending to represent us. Pretending to do something. And, you know, a lot of people are starting to get it. They're starting to get, we don't need to go into the rabbit holes. There's going to be endless rabbit holes, right? Um, it's kind of like, you know what? <laughs> I think it was like four years ago, maybe. I ran a GoFundMe to buy all the vagina hat wearing chicks one-way tickets to Saudi Arabia to go protest uh, against throwing gays off roofs, right? And making it legal in Saudi Arabia. Needless to say, GoFundMe, ban my GoFundMe, right? But I think it was a good, you know, stick, right? Because they'll stand for one thing, but not stand for another, right? Oh, it, you know, my heart's really heavy in saying these things. Because, you know... I, 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 you know, oh, mm, it's going to get real bad real quick. And the more you don't pay attention to your inner gut, the more you will find yourself hurting. Because you had the power to do something and did not. Therefore, you will not have strength. It's kind of like... I know that I may be required to run a 5K mile, right? A 5K mile run, sorry, right? Yeah, I'm not preparing for it. I'm not doing anything for that. Therefore, I will most likely fail. Actually, I won't. I'll, I'll walk and crawl that shit to finish it because I'm that persistent. But I'm just saying, I will be like a day late, Right. But I'll still get it done day late. But in essence, I will have failed because I did no preparation. And I'd like everyone to see everything they do in life and within their community the same way. If you do not take action, if you do not participate, do not expect results for yourself because you will not have the strength. No one says you have to go prep. But what you can do is um, work within your community. 
and 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 get together. Um, I I I'm going to take a quick break, and you know how I'm going to take this break this time. I want to show um, Dinesh D'Souza's um, video for um, 2,000 Mules. I just wanted to give you guys um, a, um, why is it Il Donald Trumpo, Kenoka the Great? I just want Dinesh's channel. Like, what the hell? Like, all of these other, is like, <laughs> Dinesh. Hold on. So now a lot of people have told me, you know, the data utilized um, for this documentary that he's putting together is easily transferable. Now, in, in essence, and I, you know, he kind of traveled back in time to create this film. So it would be considered maybe time travel because you know, we all know that, uh, you know, when we walk or talk, like this phone here has Google applications in it, right? This one. So my phone, I can pull up every location I've been to because it tracks me, right? <clears throat> the government doesn't have access to it unless they ask for it. But a lot of these private companies do. And I'm going to bring you back to the thought, you know, where I said that I said Canada was creepy. Why did I find it creepy? Because everyone was using aeroplane miles, right? They were using aeroplane miles for everything from, you know, McDonald's to supermarket to gas, right? Which meant they tracked them, right? And that would track them with every single spot they went and shopped and what they got, this is how they would know, hey, here's a coupon for like Dawn dish soap. You buy that shit all the time. Come on. Um, so, but they know that they shop in Manitoba and not, you know, I don't know, in Saskatchewan. So they're only going to give them coupons for Manitoba because that's the location. So I want to play this video while we take a quick break. The 2020 election was the most... Um, so that way you guys can see it and that way we can segue into a notion that I wanted to drop because I want you guys, um, I want us to learn about these technologies before his documentary comes out. At least for my few million followers and, and, and listeners, I have a lot of followers in Korea, which by the way, um, I was, I may start streaming on the Korean channel. I'm waiting to see if the government in Korea, um, allows me to, but I may be on their TV thing too. Uh, I don't know who's going to be doing the translations or whatever, but, um, I, I thought I'd tell you guys that because apparently I'm, I'm a big deal in Korea and it's like, yeah, where are your K-pop actors? They look kind of, you know, I want that dramatic, hard to get scenario from their dramas. But anyway, let's <laughs> just. Let's just get to the video. Here we go. Most secure in U.S. history. There has been no evidence of widespread voter fraud. He lost a fair and secure election. The most secure election in American history. Really? All those of you volunteered and worked the polls. You deserve a special thanks from the entire nation.
this one mule made 53 trips to 20 drop boxes. He's not alone. We track 2,000 mules making multiple pallet drops. Leaving no fingerprints. Snapping photos to get paid. A coordinated ring of illegal vote harvesting in all the key states where the election was decided. They've delivered us a clear victory. Game over. Great, um, great, um, you know, cut. But just so you guys understand, just like the aeroplane miles, just like your GPay, just like your your credit cards. You know what? You did see that tweet from... Um, you know, um, Space Force um, telling you about how your ATMs wouldn't work if it wasn't satellite. I have mentioned to you many times how you use your top pit because it has location ID too, right? Well, what Dinesh did was travel back in time and buy this location data from companies like Albertsons or, you know, or, um, you know, Kroger's or, you know, something and pinpointed people because they all use apps where they were. And then when they located people that were specific, they could buy other data to see what was there, like maybe video footage, right? Or ring doorbell footage. Ring doorbells, be surprised what they can pick up. I have a lot of them too, but... I'm just saying. Mine are for safety reasons, not for, hey, pry there, because, you know. Mm. But that was genius, and it takes a lot of work. And the person that came up with the idea, super genius. I mean, she's incredible. And true to vote, like, bravo. Because this is another way and something that people would understand. Remember the Obama phones that we talked about before? It was all about sequestration, giving orders and making sure they can see how many bodies they have and where and who their demographic is. Very important. So speaking of demographic, okay, (sighs) why don't we look at um, what CNN has to say about the uh, SCOTUS attacks and how we're going to fact check this shit. And we're going to tell you what's really true. Here's what's funny. The funny thing is, is that probably the people that watch CNN could give two shits about SCOTUS. They really don't care. Their responses are usually, I don't deal with politics. And it's like, you know what? People like that should be exiled. They should not reap the benefits of the few. When they can't, I can't be bothered with politics. I don't, I just don't. I just mind my business. So if we have 300 million people and 100 million mind their business and 100 million are too young to vote, that means we've got for every one person actually doing something, either that be good or evil, we've got one person that gives zero fucks. So I guess we put them in that evil thing. It kind of looks like we're outnumbered. We're not, but just randomly saying because this one worked in our favor. Take a listen. 
precious moments. Judge Katani Brown Jackson really having to defend her record hour by hour yesterday, pushing back on oftentimes fierce lines of questioning from her Republican critics. Good morning, Mr. This, Chairman. This second day is known affectionately uh, by a term of medieval justice known as the trial by ordeal. With that warning, hours of intense questioning from senators followed, and so was the firestorm from the Republican camp. Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina questioned her defense of Guantanamo Bay detainees. Do you believe that's true, that America was acting as war criminals and holding these detainees? Senator, the Supreme Court held that the executive branch has the authority to detain people who are designated as enemy combatants um, for the duration of the hostilities. And what I was doing in the context of the habeas petitions at this very early stage in the process was making allegations to preserve issues on behalf of my clients. The sentencing of people convicted of child pornography was another contentious issue on display, as some Republicans charge that she is soft on crime. And do you think that these, that these laws are too tough, that we're too tough on sex offenders? Explain what you meant in this case in 2013, and it seems to be the same thing you said many years ago. Senator, it's not the same thing I said many years ago. Many years ago, as a law school student, I was evaluating a new set of legislation, state laws about registration, and I was analyzing them as law students do. Jackson pushed back, denying that she was lenient on sentencing in these cases. As a mother and a judge who has had to deal with these cases, I was thinking that nothing could be further from the truth. These are some of the most difficult cases that a judge has to deal with. Other Republicans, such as Senator Ted Cruz of Texas, questioned Jackson on some other broad culture war topics. Critical race theory frames all of society as a fundamental and intractable battle uh, between between the races. It views every conflict as, as a racial conflict. Um, do you think that's an accurate way of viewing society in the world we live in? Senator, I don't think so, um, but I've never studied critical race theory and I've never used it. It doesn't come up in the work that I do as a judge. Senator Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee closed out the marathon day of hearings with a question for Jackson on gender identity. The word woman is so unclear and controversial that you can't give me a definition. Senator, in my work as a judge, what I do is I address disputes. If there's a dispute about a definition, people make arguments and I look at the right. law and I decide. Well, and another line of questioning focused on the nominee's judicial philosophy. Jackson told the Senate Judiciary Committee how she would approach her job if confirmed. I have developed uh, a methodology that I use um, in order to ensure that I am ruling impartially and that I am adhering to the limits on my judi judicial authority. 
As expected, Democrats gave Jackson plenty of opportunities to not only push back on the GOP attacks, but to speak directly to the American people about her life story. Hopefully you all will confirm me seeing me um, moved to the Supreme Court. Fuck no. They can know that you don't have to be perfect in your career trajectory. But if you do your best and you love your children, that things will things will turn out. Okay. And Katani Brown Jackson will be back up here on Capitol Hill today. She'll be facing the second round of questioning, the final round of questioning. She can't answer what a woman is. No. In just a few hours. All right. We'll be watching with you, Sunland. Thank you so much for that report. And joining me now is CNN reporter Daniel Dale. Um, Daniel, many things to fact check. I think you were very busy yesterday. So let's go through some of these. Republican Senator Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee, we just saw, but this is on Judge Jackson's attitude toward people who oppose abortion. You made your views on pro-life and the pro-life movement very clear. And in fact, you attacked pro-life women. And this was in a brief that you wrote. You described them, and I'm quoting, hostile, noisy crowd of in-your-face protesters, end quote. All right, what did you find here? This was really misleading, Brianna. Senator Blackburn tried to repeatedly suggest that Judge Jackson had expressed general disdain toward women who oppose abortion, that Jackson had broadly disparaged pro-life women as a hostile, noisy crowd. But Judge Jackson did not do that. Here is what actually happened. In 2001, when Jackson was a young lawyer in private private practice, practice, she co-authored a brief on behalf of clients. Okay, let's just stop. Listen, we need to start putting up billboards, maybe. If she can't define the word woman, how the fuck is she going to define our Constitution? Right? Someone should have asked her, please define treason. Hmm? Now, what I see this nominee being is the demonstration of the rhinos to tell you, no, we listen to you. Look, we're good. Vote for us again. We did that. We block that. Or, you know what's going to happen? It's going to be a deadlock, and then Kamala is going to come in and kind of just save the D. And then they're going to get what they want. See, things like this happen, that people are like, oh, he's on our side. He's totally on our side. Look what he did. Check this out. Brown Jackson, a marathon day in the Senate's hot seat. The 51-year-old federal judge, already an historic nominee, would become the first black woman on the Supreme Court if confirmed. I don't really have a justice that I've molded myself after or that I would. What I have is a record. Jackson preemptively addressing some Republican concerns that she was overly lenient in sentencing child pornography cases. As a mother and a judge who has had to deal with these cases... I was thinking that nothing could be further from the truth. Defending herself when pressed. But you had discretion, Judge. You admit that, right? I just want to be Senator, sentencing is a discretionary act of a judge, but it's not a numbers game. The judge also explaining her former role as a public defender, assigned clients, including terrorist suspects at Guantanamo Bay. You are standing up for the constitutional value of representation. That topic causing a fiery exchange between Republican Lindsey Graham and Democrat Dick Durbin, with Graham storming out. 
Judge Jackson sidestepping some of the committee's most political questions, like whether she'd support adding justices to the Supreme Court. In my view, judges should not be speaking in to political issues. And dismissing some questions entirely. Texas Senator Ted Cruz asking about anti-racist books taught at a private school where she serves on the board. They include a book called Anti-Racist Baby. Do you agree with this book that is being taught with kids that, that babies are racist? Senator, I do not believe that any child should be made to feel as though they are racist. Democrats left last night's hearing confident that Judge Jackson will still have the votes she needs to be confirmed. If every Democrat sticks together, they can confirm her without any Republican votes. They're They're hoping hoping to do do so so by Easter. Craig? Garrett Hick, once again, in the room where it's happening. Garrett, thank you so much, sir. So here's the thing. And what I want you guys to take home tonight, you know. Um. We're exposing voter fraud through canvassing. What happened in Maricopa, in Wisconsin, with Tina Peters, right? Dinesh's movie is showing how they manufactured the evidence because they couldn't just use the, 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 the computerized uh, fraud, right? Um, that has been going on forever, We've talked about that. I talked about the 2004. I talked about Curtis's testimony. We've covered that over a year ago, right? To be honest with you, we don't have to do any of that. And we can still fix it. The problem is, is that too many people wait for someone else to do things. It all stops when you say no. It doesn't have to keep going. This is the only reason evil exists. Ooh. As you watch the political rhetoric change and shift, please while we gear up to what we will be doing next, that you internalize, it all stops when you say no. There will be no confirmations. We are not going ahead with elections. We are not allowing this to happen anymore. There will be no mass vaccines. There will be no CRT. There will be no, you're not our leader. You are being removed. But there's processes. We must. Listen, the evidence being collected for election fraud isn't for people that understand. It's for those that don't. And it's to justify and to make sure that it's written in history. And this is why... People want it on a certain timeline because they think, well, it's so in the bag that we got to do it. You know, senior people, they know better, Garrett. You need to let us do it. Remember, I created Looking Glass and have uploaded all of Hunter Biden's laptop already so people can search. I just haven't put it out there. Because I want you to see it after they tell you what's important to see yourself. 
See, because if I put it out there, then it will be dismissed. It'll be overlooked. Questions people should be asking themselves is, what is going on here? Why is he getting upset? Why are people now talking about Hunter Biden when I've been talking about it for forever? I think my first article was way long time ago. Talked about Hunter in 2019 when people didn't even know the laptop existed. Right? There was no reveal, but I kept my mouth shut. Because the people weren't ready to hear about it. It would be a conspiracy theory. It would be tainted. I'm like thinking. We need to realize that it all stops when we say no. You know, um, the one thing I had told you guys about um, Ali Akbar, and I think he told you that I've asked Jackson to pull this video with whims for me, this little portion where he admitted live that he uses other people's names and platforms to make himself seem relevant, right? I mean, he even went as far as to talk about Rudy Giuliani. And I could say a lot about that, but I'm going to keep my mouth shut because it's better knowing and I'll just keep it for the deposition, which will happen live. I will petition for that shit. I should have that. I should have that. I should show the world exactly how these people operate. But then the other thing is the whole thing with Alabama. He's now hitching himself onto the president. And not only did he destroy his business of social media, but he's trying to attach himself again while the J6 committee is going. But there will be more on that. This is why I'm here on my workation. Right now, as I'm doing the show, I have Phoebe <laughs> sleeping in the bed, tired. Um, I'm the one that's like a tomato. My heat, my skin's hot. I'm spending time with her, I guess. Better that she's with me. I don't like her being around me, um, you know, when I'm working. Only because I don't want her to see all these things. Um. But sometimes it's it's okay, right? Um, that they see it. I want to say so much and I can't. And the only reason I can't is because it's not it's not the right time. You know, people laugh about time travel. You know, I kind of thought about this for a second when I was speaking to that person when I kind of, it took me back thinking that some people that I thought were in the know were not in the know. But um, I realized that a lot of people, aside from, you know, being upset at the actions that we've taken and what we've created together, um, I think they don't want to think, they don't want to believe it's true. It's kind of like it can't be Tori. She can't be doing this. There's got to be something else. Um, she's got to be working with someone. Someone that's super high up there. I don't think they want to admit it. I think that's really the problem. It's admitting it. You know. 
During war, a lot of people hang their heads down more in how they boasted enemies and attacked real allies. I think they don't want to believe it's true. And this is why they use the methods they use. And that kind of breaks my heart too, because in a sense, I wanted them to have that warm, fuzzy feeling and say, holy crap, oh, snap. But it's, it is what it is. I'll just keep doing it. I'll just keep fighting through. And the more lights you guys shine, the more people will flock to you too. I, I come to you today with a really heavy heart and I can't be very um, open as to why. Aside from the fact that people who I thought were in the know are not in the know. Um, and, and I saw that, you know, um, with the discussions we're going to have tomorrow, because over the weekend I saw things happening in Libya and Syria that have, I posted about it on telegram, but you know, I don't think we can avoid applying the knowledge learned from the Marshall islands and it's not going to be good. So on that note, guys, God bless. Have a good evening. I'll see you guys tomorrow. If anything comes up, I will let you know um, beforehand. God bless. Sweet land of love.